Hello and welcome to Fats on Film. I'm your host Hannah Ogilvie and this is the podcast where we talk about all things fat and body representation in film, TV and wider media. Today is my guest, writer Caitlin Kearns. Hello, Caitlin! Hi, it's so nice to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on the pod. I'm so excited. For those who don't know, Caitlin has been a supporter of this pod from the very <laughs> beginning. So I feel like we're already firm friends, <laughs> even though we've only ever interacted on social media. Oh, yeah, no, I'm an OG. I'm, I'm here for it. You are an OG, <laughs> absolutely. So how's your day been so far? Yeah, good, like... Pretty, pretty chill, pretty chill. Had a really mediocre lunch though, which is always disappointing. But um, I, I, I decided to treat myself sure. to um a katsu curry, and oh. it came and it was literally like cold, oh, <laughs> like, like yeah. cold, like it was horrendous. And then oh. yeah, which is the most like first like I, I ordered myself a katsu curry. It was actually cold, but like it, you know, it was it was mildly annoying. I'm not gonna say my life's <laughs> a disaster. <laughs> But yeah, like first world problems. Like I actually finally decided to get a curry for my lunch, and it was cold. I had it delivered to my house because we have the amazing <laughs> exactly. network that we can get things delivered via our phones. But you know what? It was cold. <laughs> but that still sucks because I would get, I would be upset by that because I very, I very rarely eat out like that for lunch. So if I had finally gone, you know what? I deserve to like you know get something a bit yeah. bigger for for lunch for whatever reason and it turned out to be a bit disappointing yeah I'd be disappointed I'd be yeah. on this podcast saying the same so I'm usually all for cheap and cheerful but I was like you know what we're gonna go all out lunchtime yeah. I've had like you know a good week I'm yeah treat myself but that's what I get <laughs> that's what you get you'll never do that again <laughs> back, no, Caitlin. <laughs> back to Greg's and McDonald's for me that's it like I'm done <laughs> oh I Right, tangent already. So when I head down to London, I, um, my in my real life, I have a, a job in an office when I have to go down to London every two weeks. And on the way back, I get on the train back and I go via Greg's and I get my two sausage rolls for my dinner. Yep. I wouldn't change it. I mean, I could go M&S. I could go Pret. It's not going to hit as well as Greg's. Nah, like again, I'm a huge Greg's fan. I've got the Greg's Crocs from from pre, from pre, I believe you think you guys call it Primark we call it yeah, Primark we do. in Northern Ireland I had no idea uh, I know people do call it Primark but I didn't know that was the distinction it was like Northern yeah. Irish and British or in UK yeah yeah I don't know I don't know if what, what why we call it Primark but um uh-huh. yeah no, my Greg's Crocs from Primark are, are one of my when I used to be on dating apps that yeah. was one of my that was one of my pictures with me cradling <laughs> Cradling <laughs> my Greg's uh, plastic clog. Um, I love it. Did did know. it did it work? Is it was it a good like helpline? People were more interested in those than me, which you know, absolutely fair enough. They were like, "Where it. did you get? Where did you get those?" I'm like, yeah. "I'm not going to reply to you because you addressed <laughs> my my shoe before you addressed me." Um, yeah, that's no. where we are. We're like, Caitlin's here. Greg's shoes are up here. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, oh, I wouldn't say that. I think you're you're just as good as the Greg's. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm all about uh, you know bringing people up. So that's what we do on this podcast. Caitlin, we are here to talk about School of Rock. I'm really excited to get into this because I hadn't seen this film. I might be lying, actually. Like, my partner will listen to this and be like, no, we watched it, like, two years ago. And I'm like, oh. But I think it's, like, been 10 years. Wow. 
see i i'm this is my comfort movie so i've seen it like yeah this is one of them so i see this maybe three times a year so it was it was was really interesting watching it with like a more like critical yes i am being like oh i've never noticed that yeah 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 a hundred percent and i like it's like it's like the blessing and the curse of this podcast now because i watch everything with this lens and um so my last episode i recorded with iona smith she we talked about shrek i obviously Everyone loves Shrek, right? And then all of a sudden I'm watching this childhood classic through this lens of like, is it fat phobic? <laughs> like, no, what have I done? <laughs> but yeah, I think like I again to your point, I hadn't watched this film definitely with that, with that lens. So I think there's a lot to discuss here. School of Rock is a comedy musical film released in 2003, directed by Richard Linklater, who also did Boyhood, which I was like, when I read the name, I was like, is that the guy who did Boyhood? Yes, it is. And it's written by Mike White, who plays Ned Schneebly in the film. And he also most recently is the showrunner for White Lotus, if you've seen it. That stars Jack Black, Joan Cusack, Sarah Silverman and Miranda Cosgrove as a little baby Miranda Cosgrove. <laughs> And it made $131 million on a $35 million budget, so not a bad return at all. It was the highest grossing music-themed comedy until Pitch Perfect 2 in 2015. So wow. that's a that's an accolade I didn't know existed. It's a it? very specific, yeah. It's so specific. Like I was like, what other films are in this genre? <laughs> um, in 2015, it was turned into a Broadway musical by Angela Webber. And then it was then adapted into a TV show for Nickelodeon in 2016. And Jack Black received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical, but lost to Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. And I'm going to say, boo. Boo to that. Boo, boo, boo. A hundred percent right. I was like, I, I know at the time Lost in Translation was seen as this really like, oh, it's a bit edgy and oh, but now we look back at it going, oh. It's 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 subpar. It's fine. Subpar at best. Yeah, exactly. It's about two white people being incredibly xenophobic in Tokyo. <laughs> like, like, where you know what we had lower standards in two thousand and three. So I I do think Jack Black really holds up in this. So we're going to get into it. But yeah, I think I do think he was robbed. So Caitlin, could you please tell me and the audience what School of Rock is all about? Absolutely. I was trying myself to come up with like a succinct way of summing up this film, but I, I felt a bit like that bit in the film where uh, where Jack Black's trying to explain to, to Mike White or Ned Schneebly about what's happened. And it's like, and there was this girl and there was this guy and they were going to, so I, I, find, I, I googled I googled a kind of short synopsis and then altered sure. it slightly. So okay. Do, Dewey Finn, a failing amateur rocker, secretly takes up his friend's job by posing as a substitute teacher. Bearing no qualifications for it, he instead starts training the students to form a band. Chaos ensues. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So I think the reason why we're talking about School of Rock is Jack Black is a notable fat actor. And when I was watching this, I couldn't believe how young he looks in this. Mm. And how kind of not fat. Like, yeah, he is He is fat, but, you know, like... Sure. And you kind of go, oh, my... God. It's like, looking back, you go, oh, my... Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, I didn't know, what, like, how to say it without sounding disrespectful. But, yeah, I was... I think because he's quite popular in the zeitgeist at the moment because of the Mario film. I've been seeing him a yes. lot. 
And I compare him to this. I'm like, oh, actually, like he is like substantially smaller in School of Rock. But, and I wanted to ask you, his body size is like integral to his character in this film. What do you think like the film is trying to tell us by the fact they've cast a fat actor as Dewey Finn? So I kind of, I was thinking a lot about this actually about Mm. what he represents and his body represents. And I think it's that thing of equating kind of fatness to anarchy and fatness Mm. to like joy and fatness to like all the all really positive attributes I think but I also noted that like I think I could be wrong um he's the only like fat actor in the film with a kind of only fat character in terms of the adults in the film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so he comes in as this whirlwind this figure of like anarchy and joy and pleasure and and destruction Mm -hmm. and yeah so I think I think that's kind of I I, it's interesting because I don't know if you know like Mike White wrote this for Jack Black Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. They were they were neighbors, and Mike White didn't even really like Jack Black. He thought he was really like loud and quite annoying. I might be misquoting the story, but then again, he was like, "What if this guy was like a substitute teacher?" And they kind of just wrote. (laughs) Wow! Oh, that is so interesting because yeah, like how that's come about is actually from like not the best like or positive place yeah. but maybe getting to know Jack Black and how he is as a person because again obviously I've never met the man but from what I've seen of like interviews and just how he like holds himself on red carpets and stuff he just does seem super fun um, and he has this really interest like he's so endearing right and I can imagine as say he was your substitute, substitute teacher you I I think he would just be the most favorite teacher in the school, right? Because he's just so silly and fun, and and I know the whole premise is that he doesn't know how to teach, so he's not going to teach the kids like English. And I know he, like he's trying to teach the kids about like Christopher Columbus and stuff, but you can imagine the kids told him that, so yeah. he could he could record it for the video for the last. It's interesting you say he embodies like anarchy because you're totally right because he talks about. Um, rock music and what that means for him and, and for a lot of people who love the genre like it is sticking it to the man you know and so in a way you're right his body does represent sticking it to the to the man I'm using air quotes here of like the beauty standard of of this idea of what we've been told for years and years and years at this point what is considered healthy or aspirational but what's also very interesting about Jack Black is he's an incredibly talented individual. Mm-hmm. So he is aspirational in that sense because, you know, I'd love to be able to sing and write music the way Jack Black does and acts as well. Obviously, I can't knock his acting talent, but he's in a body that we call uninspiring or something we shouldn't aspire to 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 emulate. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wrote down he's because he kind of starts off, I suppose, in a kind of slob archetype. You know, the first he, the first time we see him, he's kind of performing and he's in kind of mad rock mode. But then we go to his apartment and he's kind of face down on this bed and he's kind of unkempt and he's kind of you know. But he he has ambition and he has talent and like I think I can't remember where I read it, but like as somebody pointed out, like he's a talented Dewey isn't a talented musician. It was in the film itself because um it's when he he get he gets kicked out of his kind of original band, and um they said oh no you're you're a great guitarist but it's not about that. So I I think it's really interesting that he he is acknowledged as being like good at what he does um so it's not like he's just some guy who's like oh yeah I want to be a rock star and that's nothing to back up yeah so I, I find I find that 
quite interesting that he is actually quite capable and charming. Um, and there's kind of a, a relative lack of body, uh, gross body jokes in it as well. Yeah, they they. I was going to get on to that. So they do they do mention him being fat a couple of times, and he himself calls him fat a couple mm-hmm. of times. Granted, but then um when when he's asking the kids to get angry at him, and Lawrence Larry, king of keyboards, king. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my god, I just love the kids are so good. It's funny because when we were watching it, my partner's like, oh, they're just not all very good actors you know they they i read yeah. that it's picked them more because of their musical talent and then the acting came second but i think that's what makes it so endearing because like they're just they're, they're so young and so baby and yeah larry larry just such a sweetheart and he you know he says um was it what do you call him like a you're fat and you smell of body odor you're a fat loser and you've got body odor there you go yeah yeah so <laughs> um yeah so you know the kids like pick up on the fact that he is fat I think you're right at the very beginning we see him kind of fall into that lazy freeloader slob uh potentially delusional you know Mm -hmm. he he tips into that because he can't pay the rent he is self-centered and even when he so you know he the fact that he sabotages his best friend's career potentially but you know identity theft is not a joke jim he like takes ned's job at the school um and instantly like he's not likable to begin with you know he's no. quite rude uh to to well miss mullins john cusack's character he he comes in he's just like right i'm hungry like who's got food he takes food off one of the kids and he doesn't want to like bother. He don't. It's funny because he. I don't know where in in Dewey's head he thought this was going to go, because he gets there. He doesn't even try. He doesn't even try. No. Like lie better. <laughs> he's he's terrible at lying, and like the whole yeah. Mister. I love the way he doesn't know how to spell Schnabler. I know um, that cracks meant, me up. Yeah, and they're meant to have been friends for like years and been in yeah. bands together. Oh my god, I know. Like, and this is. I think this all is his character, right? He is just. He is the center of his own universe. And to your point about when he gets kicked out of the original band, they say, like, the reason why we're kicking out is because of all, like the 20-minute guitar solos and you know, c- turning up late. And again, this is an mm-hmm. idea of like self-centeredness. And I think there, you know, there's a sense of like um self-indulgence, and then you could equate self-indulgence to like self-indulgence with food, and therefore, like, you know, you could be bigger because of that. So I think his body does represent those those qualities that he is also showing not just through his body but through his actions as well so yeah so he um gets to the school he's uh, like barely even trying to like pretend to be uh ned and he says something i can't remember if it's if it's on the first day or maybe even the second day but he's mentioning how he's hung over and he was like does anyone <laughs> know what that means <laughs> he's like you're an alcoholic he's like no i was drunk yesterday <laughs> <laughs> it's a disease you've got man you've got a problem yeah freddie jones freddie jones rest in peace it's really sad. i know that was so sad when that happened yeah yeah i i i, I again like for this i knew it happened so i remember when it hit the news but I, obviously when i was doing the research for this it came up again and i was just like oh it's just so tragic yeah, like so sad ah yeah so um yeah but Fant- a fantastic character like really, he's great yeah i think he's probably the best of the kids in oh, terms of miranda the crossgrove yeah yeah miranda crossgrove is so kind of she's the only one who's really like stage school but that totally worked for summer because she is so like perfect and kind of like yeah. you know yeah. 
totally totally but um yeah he he says um i've got a headache and i've got the runs and I, that plays in and i've mentioned this a couple times that like like the disgusting element of fat people so mm-hmm. um we talk about where there's a like almost like a lack of like um i don't know if this is the right word but like table manners or like common decency that a lot of films like to portray fat people as having like you know they'll burp at the table they'll like fart they'll they'll shit themselves like all these things and when I heard that from Dewey I was like oh there's there's that trope you know he has a bit of a rant at the kids and he says this is when he's having a rant about the man and he's like Miss Mullins is the man I'm the man and he goes the man is going to call you a fat washed up loser so do yourself a favor and give up now so this is like Dewey's like, I guess, bump in the road of self-confidence. He doesn't know mm. whether he's going to achieve his dreams and his stardom. But he makes a point to call himself like fat washed up. What like when you hear that, what does that make you feel or think or imagine? It's it's interesting because like I hadn't really picked up on that, but of course he does, because then he calls himself kind of he makes references to his own size later, but in a not so negative way. But I think, yeah, it's interesting at that point that he chooses to acknowledge that and to say that and to use that as a negative against him. Yeah, I yeah. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying to articulate myself, but it's um, it's it's very interesting go, uh, from what came before and also what came after, uh, in the film. I, I you know I think we all have even as as confident as as a lot of us are in our bodies, we have moments um, of kind of going, oh God, what things might've been different if dot, dot, dot. Um, and who knows, like, I know, so years ago, I listened to the commentary um, for School of Rock and it, there's one with Jack Black and Richard Linklater. And when he gets kicked out of the band, apparently there was a whole bit where the Engl- the drummer was English and the English guy kept going like, Dewey, you've let yourself go, man. Like, you need to lose weight. Like, you look like, um, so really interestingly like that so I I wonder if that so they'd film that so I Mm. wonder then if that kind of played into because somebody directly said that to him yes yeah I I totally hear that so yeah it's kind of like he's responding to potentially that previous criticism which we as the audience haven't seen haven't seen and sorry for my English (laughs) oh my (laughs) you're no you're good you are good don't worry uh if if anyone's offended I mean like you know well they're English so (laughs) I mean (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah this is yeah I live here, so <laughs> not from here. I live here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I think you've got a really good point. So when I heard that, it it just to, from from my own personal experience, it just reminds me of whenever like we we see fatness as someone letting themselves go. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting you say that they actually had filmed that scene. It was in the script that they comment directly to that, and I, I it's this idea that. Our body is our vessel, right? Some people believe that being fat is, I mean, you know, morally wrong. It's a sin. It's it's unattractive. You know, all these negative stereotypes. And I think this idea of if you've let yourself go to, to gain weight, as if it's a choice, like to gain weight, then you're holding yourself back. It's interesting. So you're letting yourself go, but you're holding yourself back. You can't, there's again, this idea of like fatness doesn't equate to success, Mm. interestingly the film does comment directly on that 
myth, I guess is probably the best word. And we'll get that into that one because I want to bring in Tamika in a second. Yeah. Um, and then probably the main reason why we're bringing up School of Rock on this podcast is is their scene together. But Tamika is um, one of the school kids and she is, I, I should say she's a black character and she is easily identifiable as like the bigger one in the class like not even like from a like a, a fat point of view or a body size point of view but she's actually really tall as well mm. and I, I again I clocked it more this episode and um, this episode well I guess it's this episode but this rewatch um because when there's a scene where she's with the backing singers and you really see the differences in body shape and body diversity and I actually think that in itself, even that one, what, five second, if that two second scene was really important for me. Mm. Just, you know, to see that like these three girls of varying um, sizes, colors, weights, all coming together to like have some fun and like choreograph something that they can all do. And I thought, okay, that's, that's great. I love to see that. But she, um, she's first introduced to the audience um, when... Uh, Dewey comes in and he says he's missed lunch and he asks if anyone's got food and it's Tamika that puts up her hand and again I was like oh why is it the fat kid (laughs) I was like that's not nice and then um, he comes over and he grabs like her half-eaten sandwich and like you see like in her desk she's got sweeties and candy bars you're like oh okay so like they're you know not telling us like explicitly but you can hear you can imply that like oh she likes to eat from then on dewey calls her turkey sub <laughs> it is <laughs> i didn't nail it's something but it's very funny to me but it's all the all the, the nicknames he gives them but yes yeah he, yeah it's, it's I, I totally hear you from like a sense of um it's funny because of the he context of, of all the names he's not doing it to be an asshole to her he's not doing it because he's like or to be fun. yeah yeah but also yeah i, yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's him not realizing how like hurtful that could be to her, which is funny because you're like, my man, yeah. you can't just call a, a little girl turkey. So like, <laughs> no, you're right. And but this goes back to this idea: like he is completely self-involved. He doesn't, yeah. he, he doesn't see how his actions impact other people. He doesn't hold any responsibility for himself. So yeah, you're right. Him calling this get old turkey sub, he just sees it because he's literally just got a turkey sub offer. Yeah. He's like, well, that's now your name. But like, you know, you can imagine in the playground, all the kids picking up on that and then calling mm-hmm. her that. And you know, and then we find out like from Tamika that she um uh she's very insecure. She's very self-conscious. So as Dewey has realized that all these kids have some kind of musical talent um he starts putting together his own rock band oh i guess we should say like the whole reason for the film i don't i think we've missed this point so the whole point is he wants to make a rock band so he can compete in battle of the bands mm-hmm. and beat his old band and like kind of gain some kind of respect and and um and get the money for his rent which i kind of forget oh I'm like... my god i totally forgot about the money yes really good point um yes so there's the 20 grand prize money right so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to use these kids. So again, it's all for himself, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna use these kids for my own reasons. And he, he pretends that it's for a school project where all the schools in the state are competing for it. And these kids, I don't know how old they're meant to be, maybe like ten years old. Yeah, I think. Eat it up. They're like, of course, this is of course this is rock what band. We're doing. We we all know rock band. That's all know project. this project. 
<laughs> so yeah, so he starts putting together the band and he he's picked upon the musicians and he's put them onto place. So you have Zach, who's the lead guitarist, mm-hmm. Katie, who's on bass, Larry Lawrence is on keyboard, and then Freddie Jones is on drums. And then <laughs> Dewey's going to be lead singer and also a guitarist. <laughs> and they're like, the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like yeah like i mean this is this is part this is part of it like and they just they just believe them and then all the other kids are like who are you know there's a class of what 20 of them so six, 15 of them don't have anything to do and there's a, i don't know which what what their name is but he just goes you mean we're not in the band no oh. it's so- it's oh. so heartbreaking and apparently again here's some random behind the scenes too apparently that kid is like the cool he was the coolest he, him and jack black used to go and play games in jack black's trailer at like on breaks like they used to play like playstation together because he was just so cool and he was just such a like a, a nice kid oh he sounds so cute no it like it's such a heartbreaking line reading like and then he's like well hold on just because you're not in the band doesn't mean you're not in the band so after lunch um at lunch actually we should say uh Lawrence comes up to him and he says like I'm I can't be in the band and Jerry's like what do you mean he's like I'm not cool enough I'm not cool enough to be in the band because you know he he's uh, I guess he he thinks of himself as a bit of a geek a bit of a nerd and um and it is slightly I suppose stereotypical that is we should Lawrence is an Asian student as well that's a really good point. Yeah, that's that a he, really he's good point. nerdy and he like doesn't think he's cool enough, and yeah. so it's kind of a bit of a trope there, I suppose, as well. Yes, there probably is a bit of a trope there. Yeah, You're, that's I can't a really speak good to point. that as a white, you know, as a white person, but I, it's something I only again rewatching in this context. You're like, yeah. oh, maybe is that something? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So there's probably like a bit of a, a trope about like. Um, high achieving asian kids um and also the fact that he's plays piano which is quite yeah. that kind of like, musical instrument influence into like asian children like to encourage them to do better i guess it teaches discipline and things like that so yeah you're right i think there probably is something within that which again like i'm a white person i can't really speak to it but just from my own consumption of media we are kind of aware of this trope right dewey um Jerry gives him a pep talk and he's like, no man, like, you're, no, you're majorly talented. I want you in the band. I chose you for a reason. Lawrence's like, oh, okay, like, cool. And then they do this handshake. (laughs) It's such a good scene. Let's rock. Let's rock rock today. today. (laughs) Slap it, shoot it, kaboot it. Yes. Because I'll have to practice on that. That's a a very long handshake. (laughs) (laughs) I love love that at the end. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Yeah. I love the thing to think that he thought of Jay thought of that on the spot. Like Yes. But then this is to your point, right? Like this is this is the joy. This is this is him bringing in this idea of like he is seeing something in these kids that no one else is seeing because the school, which is this private school, 15 mm-hmm. grand a year private school, which and that's 2003 money, you know. I was We're gonna not- say something like weird there. I was like, I'd pay 15 grand for Joan Cosack to like <laughs> tell me off and I'm like Caitlin don't say that don't say that but you know that's, that's so good oh my god I know I mean I love Joan Cusack so, so much good. she's brilliant she's brilliant in this um but yeah so they pay 50 grand a year which is a lot of money and so that you can imagine and and I to uh your point Joan, Joan Cusack's character Miss Mullins is very um 
hyper fixated on the performance of the school and are the parents happy so yeah I can imagine like this you're going to pay 15 grand a year because you want your kid to get results and results mean like good grades you know they means getting into the best schools it's not about um musical talent like that's like a Again, I, I from from what I'm reading from the film, I can imagine a lot of these parents have let their kids learn instruments, not because they want them to like grow that specific talent, but more around the discipline mm. around learning an instrument. Dewey comes in without any of that propaganda or corruption. And he's like, no, these kids are just really talented. Like, you know, you, you could do something more here. And it doesn't have to be. I think that's the other thing the film is kind of trying to teach us like, you can have interests that don't lead into money-making schemes. Mm. And I don't know about you when you were growing up, Caitlin, but like I definitely had that through my upbringing, this idea of like don't focus too much on not hobbies, but like thinking those hobbies could turn into careers. Mm. Yeah, when I was growing up, I used to play golf and karate and it wasn't from a place of you're going to become a golfer. And it wasn't even from a place of like, this is a good hobby to have. I remember my dad used to say, oh, this will be really good when you do business. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I just... It's I, to get, it's an ulterior, it's not the joy of actually doing it. It's like an yes. ulterior motive to get something, which usually is relation to like money. I mean, I'm totally. very lucky. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very lucky. My, my dad is an actor, so he couldn't say anything. Um, oh, I see. Uh, yeah. yeah, so my I grew up with... um with a dad who was a jobbing actor mm. um so if they turned around and said well you can't make a career out of it I'm like well uh, uh yeah I mean, my mom my mom's still pinning hopes I'll turn it around and become a lawyer <laughs> but like I'm like it's not gonna happen mom she's not she's no. nothing to do with the arts but yeah it's 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 interesting and, and even you know um seeing friends of mine who who did stuff with me growing up and and now they've all got you know proper jobs but they're all they all speak you know to like oh drama give me confidence to yeah give presentations yes. in my job mm-hmm. instead of going like yeah actively working and I think it's well with the instruments as well it's, it's probably as well for like uh on their CVs and to get into yeah. like Ivy League schools it's like oh having an instrument's really good on your yeah record or whatever as well absolutely because like you know they'll they'll do the exams they'll get like the different qualifications because I remember when I again um, this was a conversation I remember having in the house, which was when I was picking my GCSEs and I really wanted to do performing arts because like everything else I was doing was like really academic. And I just mm. wanted something which was, I mean, performing arts kids can come after me for this, but like I want something that wasn't as like academic. I want something that was a bit more fun, a bit more practical in a sense of like I was actually doing something rather than yeah, putting absolutely. something down. And my dad being like, well, why would you, why would you pick that? You know how you had to get like, um, there was like different squares and you had to pick like a subject in each square. So I can't remember what else was the other subject in the performing arts one. But I remember it might've been history. And I was like, Ugh, I was doing geography. So I'm not doing both humanities. But I was like, no, I really want to perform arts. And he was like, no, like, you know, you should do like more another, like, you know, uh, again, I apologize to anyone who I offend, but like a real GCSE. This is my dad's words, not mine. <laughs> And yeah. I was, like, <laughs> and I was like, um, no, no, I really want. I remember really pushing for like, no, I really wanted that kind of like respite of like doing something that was more just for me. It wasn't for this goal of, yeah, A levels or or degree or or then ultimately job. Um, and I, I, you know, I did win that one. And I did do performing arts. In that, I did the um, lambda exams. I can't remember. It was like, oh yeah, 
London art, music, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, so so I can imagine they have those kind of qualifications for instruments, right? Yeah, doing your grades and stuff like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. Grades, that's the word. Um, So yeah, so you're going to put that on your, uh, whatever it is, your application for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to look a bit cooler or a bit more... um Like appealing or kind of more... Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm... <laughs> just again to go as a quick tangent before we move on no please you, you saying that Hannah, about your GCSEs I they knew that I was a hopeless case when it came to anything <laughs> academic I did art I did drama I did music uh-huh. I did media studies I did digital yeah. media they didn't I, I did not have to do a language I did not have to do a science because they were like you know something <laughs> they had a, took one look at me were like she's it's not gonna go well is it so because everyone's like how did you get away with that I'm like yeah, I I don't know. Um, so the only proper one I did was uh, RE, which is compulsory here. I don't know if that's like elsewhere. Oh, really? No, I didn't have yes. that. Northern Ireland is a, a wild west. Um, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> even though I went to an integrated school, it was very strange. Um, okay. Which again is still like a. a, a it's funny because I I forget that's not everywhere because mm. um we're still segregated by sure. um by religion, which is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, another podcast for another time. Um, <laughs> about Northern Ireland, but um. And maths, and that was it, really. Everything else, yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah, you totally missed because, like, the rules are mine where I had to pick at least one science and you had to do a language, and then you had well, then you had English. There was, um, you know, like sets, mm. so like sets within maths and English. So, if you were like in the bottom set for English, then you only had to do English language. Oh, yeah, we were the same, yeah, yeah. But then if you were higher up, then you had to do English language and English lit. And I was in, <laughs> I was in the second to last um group. Um, I don't know, like in hindsight, like I write now. So the idea that like I apparently wasn't very good at English is wild to me. But then I had um, so I was in the second to last group, and I had this most amazing English teacher. His name was Mr. Jarvis, and he was just legendary. And I, I don't know what I like up until this point, up until year ten, I just it just wasn't computing and then he just kind of like literally almost like opened the door for me and I was like oh this is what you mean and it just clicked and I did really well ultimately in the end but it it really does show like what a good teacher can do yeah (laughs) it really can like completely flip everything on your head because you know I do empathize with teachers this idea of like having like classes of like 30 odd kids per class oh my god like how do you give that you know that one student who might only need like you know just one lesson of one to one time but you have to like divide your time I don't know how honestly they do it no but luckily I had Mr Jarvis and he absolutely like taught me like that I could do more I think I had just resigned myself to this idea like if I get if I get a pass I'm good yeah because um, <laughs> like again like further on you need at least a C in maths and English language to do anything if you wanted to go into A-levels if you wanted to go to uni um, a lot of jobs even like yeah it's I like the fair minimum I got a day in GCSE maths originally but then I got um I went to college and did like a weird equivalent one which was really easy oh, okay. um like oh, good. city and guilds award I was like okay <laughs> I guess <laughs> oh sure I'll take it <laughs> but yeah, but yeah like- you're right teachers teachers are like I was I never really had in school a teacher like mm. who was like really struck a chord with me because I just hated school I think I was just like mm-hmm. I think I was so close to that happening I did have a singing teacher called Ross shout out to Ross if you're listening <laughs> he might be he, he knows was, um, he was um a singing teacher he he um is a fabulous fat cabaret performer oh amazing. um 
who like is has bit glitter in his beard and they, they oh. just are, they just they're just fabulous and I, I have so much love for Ross and Ross really taught me like so much not not mainly not about singing because we just yeah. end up my mum would like be like I paid however much money and you two just stand in the kitchen gossiping um <laughs> but like happy happy cool fat person yeah. um existing and being like you know in the world and, and being unapologetic so that that was a big one which kind of ties into this I suppose with the music yeah. stuff as well well I was going to say like absolutely does tie it into this like that was going to be my segue back in which is this idea of like having influential teachers that see something in you and that and with Dewey, like he sees something with these kids that no one else is seeing, you know, from what we were saying, like they were just so much more academically driven. And so he gives these kids like uh, a different focus, I guess. And it's funny because Summer is the, is the, um, rest- um, what much I say? Like she's, she's trying to hold back. She's like, no, no, no. Like I want my, my gold stars and my, um, you know, like, no demerits like where where does where does my grade come in this and she's like and she gets granted the uh music or band manager role because she's obviously like an absolute going to be a tyrant in any boardroom that she enters um and there's the the groupie the line about the groupies they sleep with the band i was going to say the groupie thing really is odd to me (laughs) i was like you are telling these three 10 year old girls that they are going to be groupies not thinking they're going to google it when they get home and obviously summer does they're sluts they sleep with the band <laughs> like how did she even know she's 10 like i think it's her mom i, I think is it not her mom that tells her that oh is it i thought she googled it i maybe thought she, was, she like, I looked it up online oh she maybe did it would be weird if her mom said that but who knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then yeah he gives all the roles that so we get the three groupies and then and then summer becomes band manager he uh, assigns roadie roles to a couple of the kids lights to um one kid oh i think i think tamika is a roadie to begin with isn't she yeah or security or something it's like yeah well i think i think and then the other the other bigger kid well yeah Frankie, i was gonna mention him yeah yes yeah so he's security and i was like oh that's interesting um because like it's this idea of like kind of like brute force you know yeah. and i was like okay um what whatever that that is. maybe it wasn't meant to be about that but that's how i read it but it wasn't until uh tamika comes back to Dewey says oh I don't want to be a roadie and he suggests oh do you want to be security I'm like no Dewey <laughs> this girl doesn't want to be security like obviously so oh and she says I want to be a singer and she gets very shy so well I need to hear you sing and so she finally does and she belts out this most amazing voice I mean mm. and I, if she's meant to be like 10 or 11 years old like it's incredibly mature for like a young girl like that to have a voice like that and Dewey is blown away, like, holy shit, like, I've got, like, amazing talent in this band. And he's like, okay, yeah, absolutely, you'll be a backing singer. Um, Gives her a CD. I got, what, what, do you remember what CD he gives her to as her homework? Really, um, Pink Floyd. Oh, is isn't it? Um, the Great Something in the Sky. The vocal, there's like, check out the vocal solo on Great Gig in the Sky. Oh, nice, good work. I think that's, this is from watching this too much well, you said you watch it three times a year like that I... could be wrong i'm so yeah. sorry like again oh um, you will have your like like i'll have my edit coming yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i'm obsessed with um but yeah i think it's i was gonna note that earlier about frankie the fact that like frankie doesn't have a sandwich in his desk 
No. Well, like we don't Frank, know. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe he does, but he doesn't yeah. want to own up to it. No. Um, Frank, you know, and it's there's no comments or anything kind of made out of his, but he mm. is he is you know obviously been socialized as a as a man, so it's kind of well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's the thing. Like we haven't spoken a lot about on this podcast just yet about the differences between how uh, fat women are treated and fat men, but in the school of work you get you do get both examples here. Um, well, I I guess I have kind of like spoiled my own one because we do talk about a bit about a bit of it in shrek but here we've got jack black who is who is this fat character is commented a lot but Mm -hmm. it's not from from what we see it's not really like um holding him back in a sense he's still you could you could also equate this to him being an adult and being a bit more secure in who he is in the world but he 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 is very confident right you know the fact Mm -hmm. he comes in he's got this like no wild scheme to impose as his friend and hopefully not get caught out for like fifteen hundred dollars of a week or whatever it is which again i can't I, it's like a hundred dollars a day i was like it's hardly any money well again today i was thinking that too i'm like is that well it doesn't say but i mean it must be like inflation i don't know like... <laughs> yeah that's like inflation um, it, might be, it might be actually good money now but um it just seemed like so little and um yeah so he he's obviously very confident and he like he's charming like part of the reason why he mm. does so well is because he's been able he's able to charm miss mullins joan cusack's character but with tamika you know like she didn't put herself forward for the um backing singer role when everyone when the, when the other two girls did and one of the reasons is because she you can tell she doesn't want to bring attention to herself she wants to um make herself as small as possible and as a fat woman i totally get that like this idea that like it's almost like not ladylike to be big and imposing yeah totally i mean i I, when you said earlier about tamika being tall and um so i kind of grew up being quite tall and broad more than anything else Mm -hmm. i suppose um i was like the tallest person like girl in my class Uh um until i was 12 and i stopped growing (laughs) And then everyone took over. Yeah, I'm five five now, so I'm kind of just about. Oh wow, um, yeah, you really did. Yeah, you're totally average. That's so funny. Like you like shut up before everyone. Yeah, I was. um, I don't know. I was ambitious. My my head was like, I have to be the tallest, quickest. But then by the yeah, everyone else started just going whoop, and I was like, okay, hi. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, it's that thing of as you said, like shrinking, shrinking yourself, and when you're so hyper aware of sticking out that like yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, it's interesting how it's not touched upon if she's bullied or if that's, yes. you know. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Like, we don't actually know anything. We don't see much of the kids' interaction the between dynamic. themselves. Yeah, yeah. We don't, it's a really good point. And, but I guess just from her own, how she carries herself in the class, like her own body language, you can imagine either she has been encouraged to become small from the kids themselves, or maybe it's adults, or maybe it's her parents. Like you just don't know. But she's definitely, ca- she's she has been told at some point her size is an issue. Like she hasn't just, yeah. So, so we find that she's, um, wants to become a uh, backing singer. She's amazingly talented. Uh, then uh, the, the kind of band or banding and they need to go for the auditions for the battle of the bands and 
somehow they get out of class. This is like another random point, but it's about the van, like Dewey's van. I'm like, does nobody like? Because there's a bit later he puts it miss it takes Miss Mullen in his van. Yes, and I'm like, would she not be like, why are you driving? Why are you driving this van? Yeah, like it's... at any point. Yeah, it's not very school teacher friendly, is it? No, and he dresses very preppily. Like I think that's another thing. Like. And how he presents himself at different points in the film. So, like, when we first meet him, he's kind of not shaved. And he's wearing T-shirts and kind of oversized yes. coats. And yes. then when he goes into school mode, I don't yeah. know where he gets his, like, immaculate sweater vest collection. But, like, I, know. I, I love the, it. Like, do you just have them? I have a note. Where do we get it? I've put the bow tie, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, floral shirt, style king. So good. Like, yeah, I feel he like. He looks great. Like yeah, I, he's like giving like I don't know butch like I love it, like, butch yeah. energy. I love it. No, definitely a bit of butch energy for a hundred percent. Like I just love yeah. Apparently he has these like in his closet because they're definitely not actually Schneebly's because like yeah because he's, he's a lot, He's a very thin man. Yeah. So <laughs> where is where have these been hiding? Who knows? He's got no money. So exactly. I don't know if he's bought them, <laughs> plot like, stole them. Yeah, I was thinking that I was like. Hmm. He's got so many nice scarves and and jackets and and shirts, but um, hey, who knows? He may have thrifted them. Let's I don't know for the sake. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> He's just a thrift king. Um. So yeah, so you're right. The the, the van is a massive red flag. <laughs> um. They get they get to the auditions and they find that the the billing is full. They're not taking any more auditions. And oh, actually, just before that, that's when sorry, that's when Tamika has her like you know crisis of confidence moment. And he's, she says, oh, I don't think I can sing. And he goes, oh, are you nervous? And she says, they're, they're going to laugh at me. He's like, why, why would they laugh at you? You're incredibly talented. And she says, because I'm fat. Dewey or Jack Black, his, his face here is one of, I understand where you're coming from. It's like, oh, Tamika, like, okay, yes. But then he brings up Aretha Franklin. So, you know, she's a big lady. You know, and she has the most amazing voice ever. Um, but people, you know, people hear her voice and they want to party with Aretha. You know, he then says, "You know who else has a weight issue?" She's like, "Who?" And he's like, <laughs> "She's so Me. cute. She's so cute. She's so like under these like big eyes. Oh, she's such a sweetie." And she, he goes, yeah, I have a weight issue, but once I get up on stage, you know, people love me because I'm sexy and chubby. And she goes, well, why don't you go on a diet? And he goes, because I like to eat. Is that a crime? This scene is just brilliant, it's isn't it? It's so good. I mean, it's just like, because it could go into, and what, the one thing I really love is he doesn't say, no, you're not. When she goes, because I'm fat, yes. he doesn't go, no, you're not. He goes, yes. yeah, you, you know, and that's okay. Like, I, I love that he doesn't, because, there, you know, I think in a lot of other films, they would have gone, you're not fat, you're beautiful. Or like, yeah. you're not fat, you're lovely. But he's like, well, yeah, like, and again, as you said, he's, it's something and it chimes with him that he's like, yeah, sees himself. And um, I also like the other thing about him saying, I like to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a quite an interesting thing that like, Dewey's not like a good fatty. Like he's not like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, like, he's not, he, he does like to like, he's seen as liking food he's seen as being quite like indulgent and I think that there's room for like all kinds of like fat characters on screen um and sometimes there are like fat people who really love to like eat (laughs) like as and and because there's fat people who really love to eat and so you know because I think some a lot of the time we're so conscious of not portraying fat people as like enjoying food or like Uh that we almost go the other way where it's Uh like seen as I don't know or 
or if we do see them eating it's like uh binging whereas mm. you know it's so I think it's really as somebody like you know I write a lot of that characters I, I think it's really important for me to show a range of experiences especially with like food and um their relationship to food because it's so everyone's is so complex but I really like that he's like no I like I love to eat I'm not gonna give that up like <laughs> yeah no I I hundred percent agree with you I think um I can definitely get wrapped up in this idea of like oh like why have they gone down that stereotype but actually your point stands of like no because like you know fat people can be every kind of character and this idea that like you're totally right good good fat people and bad fat people you know so you know your your good fat people will be people who like constantly go to the gym you know they're really watching what they eat um they're really mindful of how they carry themselves you know they'll they'll wear things that are flattering uh, side note that note that word is very triggering so i apologize <laughs> flattering oh who gives a shit I um, that, yeah. it's trash absolute trash and then but then yeah a bad fat person is someone who isn't taking care of themselves and again i'm using air quotes because it's all bullshit it's just like someone who does eat someone who'll have takeaways someone who'll have you know who might not exercise as much as your other person but it's this idea of like well you know not everyone is accessible as as accessible as everyone else you know everyone is different but we just have such a a strict um strict parameter of what is considered like a good fat person if you're gonna have the audacity to be fat well you might as well be you should be good that's how we'll accept you and here dewey is very just like I am what I am. I like food. Also, like, who doesn't like food? Well, yeah, I hate when some people say that as if it's a personality trait. Right? <laughs> They're like, I love food. It's like, nah. I'd be like, we'd be like, I love breathing. Like, I love, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of breathing. I, I'm really, like, fond of being conscious of being a human <laughs> being. But yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. But like, you know, I, I, I think that it's something really like, and I remember I saw I saw this in the cinema. I mm. think I must have been like six mm-hmm. or seven. But I, again, I think I just mentioned in our first email. It's the first time I was like, mm-hmm. I feel funny downstairs. <laughs> like when I saw Jack Black, I was like, I love this yes. man. Um, first on screen, beat. my first on-screen crush. Oh. And then now as I grow older, I also love John Cusack. So I kind of wish I was in a Jack Black John Cusack sandwich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely like that is like the dream um but yeah it's um this scene in particular has always stayed with me and like as you said I think there's I don't I've rarely have ever seen anything that's as kind of frank and honest and to the point and I I love that I don't know if you got a chance to read so I found like the script of the Mm. original script online and the scene was not nearly as powerful and I wonder if Jack Black maybe had a hand okay in that because um I've got it I've got a bit of it here if you yeah Please go like for a, it, yes. Um, okay, so this is the original scene. So it, 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 her name is Laurie in this version. So, oh, yeah, you uh, did say, yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. So I'd, uh, as the other set up, Dewey pulls Laurie into the hallway. What do you mean you can't play? She clutches her stomach. I don't feel good. I feel sick. Mm. Uh, you're nervous. Why? What are you afraid of? They're going to laugh at me. Why would they laugh at you? I don't know, because I'm fat. And it does actually say Dewey is stricken with its sympathy for this insecure girl. Mm, uh, there you go, yeah. But yeah, Laurie, hey, you've got something everyone's talent and it's way more important than looks. You heard of Aretha Franklin, right? She's no beauty. He says she's no beauty in this version. Mm. When she starts singing, she blows people's minds. They all want to party with Aretha. Mm. And then he says, you heard of Mama Cass. Oh, yeah, okay. She weighed 300 pounds. 
Yeah. Uh, but when she was on stage doing her thing, people worshipped her. She was sexy man. And then he, she goes, what happened to her? And he goes, she choked on a ham sandwich no. to like undercut oh, that. Man. Yeah. So there's like a joke there. But the important thing is you don't have to look some certain way. You're a rock star now. So they've obviously reworded that a bit. And I wonder if it is Jack Black looking at the script and going like, yeah, this because, needs to be phrased differently. Like, cause yeah. It, it, yeah, it's nowhere near as powerful. A hundred percent. I actually hearing that, I'm like, I'm really struck by, by how underhanding they're being. And like, you know, there's been, there's been a lot, I don't know if, if you've, you've caught on to it on your like TikTok algorithm, but I've seen a lot of like conversations around um, Cass and like how she hated her nickname yeah. and like, and, and her and the whole, um, ham sandwich thing and like how that's like a myth and how it's like again it's kind of like the whole elvis um you know how elvis died on the on the toilet myth like all that kind of stuff you're just like it's just it's just making mockeries of these um fat people these incredibly talented and fat people's deaths they're not all our dignity and they're even in their death exactly that exactly that and i'm also really struck by knowing mike white wrote that and he is a, a thin man yeah well yeah yeah there's and loads then, of like really fat phobic stuff in the script that's really interesting so yeah i wonder like uh, you know again i don't know jack black to know like his own like relationship with his body and like you know if he's had to go on some kind of journey to like learn to love himself or blah 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 because you know these standards as much as we talk, talk about how they are stricter on women or feminine presenting people um you know they absolutely do affect men and i you know i think more so now than ever mm-hmm. um they're affecting men and i just I, i'd love to know if jack black has ever actually spoken about that i'd have to do some some googling to see if he said something but i think his point his other comment i really love in, in his um in the yes. scene that we see is he says he's sexy and mm. chubby and i'm like to your point about how like you know this is your first crush he is sexy and like there's something so like he's such a a magnet you know like he's and that's not a joke that's not that's not no no it's not not him saying it to her like and she's like what it's it's a fact he's stating a fact and i love that yeah he says i'm sexy and chubby those those two aren't mutually exclusive and it really reinforces like you say like you know the fact that he doesn't try to dismiss uh Tamika calling herself fat he doesn't try you know he, that, that that is a fact she is a bigger person she's in a bigger body but that doesn't mean she isn't also these other things and it is this language that we use when we when people call themselves fat um or you know like or the phrase i feel fat today it's to make themselves um feel less than or or to communicate that they feel less than mm-hmm. and it's like no 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 it's not a feeling it's not a state of mind it is you are a fat person because you are literally carrying more fat on your body and that's it it doesn't it doesn't devalue or um mean these other attributes which are incredibly positive like to Dewey's point talent or sexiness or um insert positive attribute here um, those are can all still happen within a fat body. Yeah. Um, it's a really powerful scene, and yeah, just the the ending of like, and I like to eat. Is that a crime? And here you have him actually asking the audience, "Is it a morality issue?" Because that's how mm. it's seen, right? Uh, fatness it can be construed as a lack of morals um we see a lot with uh fat victims in like horror films for example they've usually done something 
hella nasty or they've done something and um, that's almost like deemed worthy to get the the death that they they end up getting i think of like zombie land that when um yeah what's his face what's the character called jesse eisenberg's character um and he says you know the different rules and one of them is that you've got to run and then the film shows a fat man failing to run because apparently all fat people can't run side note not all thin people can run either guys like it's <laughs> it doesn't mean you can run if you're thin you know you just go into a, like a, a marathon it won't work you have to train uh it just drives me mad um so yeah so like the the film is going oh see like because um you ha- are fat and we again these films um act as if fatness is a, cho- is a choice mm. then okay well you're gonna fall you're not gonna run as fast you're gonna get eaten by zombies or in the film Seven, which we're we're actually covering on the podcast soon, the very first victim is a, a is a fat man, and you just like, and the, it, it's as if they deserve it. Well, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. So I, I coming back to this film, very I went I went really dark with horror, <laughs> and I'm bringing it back to children's musical comedies. <laughs> but yeah, like Dewey is literally asking, like, is it a crime mm-hmm. to like to eat? And the answer is no. Of course it isn't. Of course it isn't. You know, and again, like, to reinforce this further in real life, I'm sure you'll see on social media when you see a fat person on social media or a fat um, content creator, like, you know, going, what I eat in a day? And they are having a McDonald's for breakfast, maybe, or and then they might have, like, something else for dinner. And the comments like, of course, of course you're eating that, like, you're going to die young, some really nasty, awful things. But then I see uh, straight-sized content creators doing the exact same thing, and it's like, oh, yeah, you get it. You deserve a treat. Good for you. That looks great. And you I'm go, like, girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, these are very different reactions to the exact same action. And it's purely because of the body that's consuming it. Well, yeah, it used to be like such a, like when I was growing up, like that whole thing of like, uh, especially like thin women, like, like I'm so, oh my God, I'm so random. I just ate a whole pizza, like, hoo hoo, hoo hoo, like I'm so like, you know, whatever, which I, you know, I think as I've choked, hopefully it's dying, but it's, as you said, on TikTok, because then if a fat person was to do that, it's like you pig, you're disgusting, yeah. Yeah. you're whatever. And I'm like, well, they're not, there's no, morally it's both both of them are fine <laughs> like it's both yes. like it's good like I, you know do what you want but yeah I, I mean I don't know how people can put like there was what I and I actually like I'm like absolutely good for you for doing this what I eat in a day is because I just think that the flack a lot of people get mm-hmm. um yeah because or, or if they do eat a salad they go well you're just lying and you go but how can you ever <laughs> you can't win that's the thing you can't win because like you cannot win you cannot do enough for these people um yeah and uh, I'm glad, like, there was a there was a, um, a cynical part of me that thought during the scene, as much as I loved the scene, uh, Dewey explains that, like, you know, you're talented. People aren't going to care what you look like because of your talent. And in my head, I'm like, that's not true. Because we, again, going back to, um, you know, uh, Mama Cass um, or Elvis or Lizzo in today's I was going to say Lizzo, especially yeah. as, a bla- as a black. Exactly. Black woman yeah yeah as a black fat woman like you know these these people are ridiculed even though they are insanely talented so as much as i really love the messaging and the meaning behind this scene i was like oh unfortunately that's not true <laughs> i want it to be true i want it to be true so <laughs> of course, much yeah 
but it's not and I just I was just really struck by that when I was watching it it does I don't mean to diminish the scene in any way because I do think it's great and I um like you like you're saying like if you were six or seven years old and you watched this what an amazing scene to see when you're that young you know not only to see like an incredibly talented um influential a fat actor in the lead role but then to see someone who you know who looks like you who's the same size as you be incredibly talented as well but also sharing those same insecurities like it's really well done this moment between and it, it actually because you've told the story it reminds me of like how you might view your singing teacher you know well, this, yeah this kinship because you have this commonality in your bodies and and like maybe how you view the world and and your fears and 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 your insecurities and how people might treat you but actually what what bonds you is that but also your passion for music and 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 mm. talent and that's what bonds Tamika and Dewey yeah absolutely it's it's um it's such a good scene but as you said like imagine there was an extra line or two of him going people might be assholes but you know something like like screw them if they don't like you yeah. like you know but it's um, just to circle back to like I think what I was saying earlier about the original script so mm. I said there's loads of fat phobia in it what I mean is there's fat phobic characters I wouldn't say there's kind of it's so her, her mum's a big part of the original screenplay and her oh. mum is a raging fat phobe so oh. that's so uh, yeah I wanted to speak with you about Laurie's issues as you can see she's FAT and I hope you can keep an eye on her <gasps> make sure she's not snacking during the day obese people are terribly stigmatised don't you find and then Dewey says, well, I don't know. And she goes, but you're a man and a just teacher. I don't really know what that means. It doesn't matter. But Laurie, she's a girl with big dreams and she really should be only eating fruit. She's and a she girl all- with big dreams and she should only be eating fruit. And she was originally the keyboardist as well. <gasps> oh my God, this is such an interesting change. Yeah, I know, right? So like she was originally um, played the keyboard and yeah, and then there's a horrible bit where mum... She says, if, <laughs> I get, this is just triggering over a horrible language. Mm. The thing is, Laurie can be brilliant. She can be immense, but if she's a fat pig, no one's ever going to be <gasps> any her, you know? And then Dewey tries to tell her about this thing called the Aretha Franklin weight loss study. And then it's like about, oh, dancing to Aretha Franklin 15 minutes a day. It makes the pounds fall off. And then they're meant to have this sweet scene at the end where they both dance to Aretha Franklin, but it kind of undermines the complete point. But there we go. <laughs> so this, fi- this film had a very different view of fat people yeah and i, I, I yeah, very different view it was just in- incredibly interesting i think like and oh, whether yeah. it was jack black or richard linklater because i know richard linklater made a lot of changes or kind of suggestions sure. yeah because um, the whole i mean the whole there's loads of stuff that was different i mean uh ned was a different person so like it was like dewey's brother was in it and it was and so he was conflated with Ned Schneebly and then they became one person. It's all very weird. Uh, it's almost like unrecognizable in terms of like story or uh, you know, there's some certain bits of dialogue which are like, oh, okay, that's from this and that's from this, but uh-huh. it's it's very different. And I I specifically was looking for kind of the the the, the mentioning of the kind of fat people in it, but it's um, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is that is very interesting. I'm just I'm just going through Mike White's IMDb right now. So I'm like, has he ever wrote for like like you know, I appreciate obviously he wrote this, but we now you know from you reading the original script to now, things have changed, especially getting rid of a lot, a lot of the kind of fat phobia in it. And I'm just going through now going like, has he wrote anything for fat people? Which I'm I like, don't I mean I, I mean I said I like I, I really love Mike White as a writer, but I'm trying to think myself. There's some fat characters in Enlightened, but they're not lead characters. Sure. Um and Is I suppose, it? yeah. 
he did Good Girl. And John Carroll Lynch is in Good Girl, and I love John Carroll Lynch. Mm. John C. Riley is he big in that though? He's not. I don't think no, so. No, like, I don't think he is. He's, um, I mean Jennifer Coolidge isn't plus size. I would say, but like she's curvy and like White Lotus, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to bring up Jennifer Coolidge because I, 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 I don't know whether she'd find it offensive if I did call her. I would say she's like a small fat, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Now she yeah. would be, yeah, yeah. Now she would be. Um, oh god, I fucking love that woman. Um, I mean, uh, I know everyone iconic. does. <laughs> No, I know, so iconic. These gays, uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, and again, like he's written um, Pitch Perfect three. Yeah, he wrote, the, he wrote the Emoji movie too. He's got a very, very <laughs> like. But now he's kind of just, um, and he also was a contestant survivor. I just, ha- I have a lot of love for this man. He's very chaotic. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he is. He yeah. like on Survivor. He just drank a lot of wine and just caused a lot of like mayhem. Like he loves reality TV, so I kind of feel a kinship with him. So, so did he go on Survivor as like? As a famous a screen, person. As a screenwriter, yeah. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm a screenwriter. I wrote School of Rock and Nacho Libre. Um, did they recognise him? Because I'd recognise Mike White. Nacho like, Libre, ah. because, yeah. Cause he, I don't know if they did or not, but he also did The Greatest Race with his dad. He, he's done like, a lot of reality <gasps> oh, TV. Yeah. I, you know, I, now you've said that, that I think has unlocked a memory for me where I think I knew that. It's very strange, yeah. But I, I mean, I have a lot of, I have, a, I have a lot of love with him. But I actually, when you think about it, um, and I suppose White Lotus is interesting because it's a lot of people with a lot of money, and so I suppose in that scenario, mm. um, and there's a actually there's a fat character. I don't know if you've seen White Lotus. There's Just a fat season character. one. Well, the 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 one who's pregnant. The yeah, in one episode. Yeah, yeah, she's uh-huh. in one episode. Like uh-huh. she's really the only visibly like fat character. Um, yeah. and I think from recollection that is mentioned in the script, like that she is like. Well, no, that's the whole point because it yeah. disguises her pregnancy. Yeah, that, exactly. Right? Yeah, and again, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, fat pregnant that's people. That's totally how it works. Yeah, we'll be commenting on that one. I remember, like, this is, oh, going off the tangent, but they literally did that with Heather from EastEnders, like, a hundred <laughs> years ago. That where, is like, so silly. I know, and I'm like, that's not how pregnancy works, team. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've you know, there is that show, like, I didn't know I was pregnant type shows, and so yeah, some people go through pregnancy not even realizing it. But with Heather and um, yeah, oh, I can't remember what her character name is in episode one of season one of White Lotus, they are mm-hmm. using their fat bodies as a reason why, like, they're disguising their pregnancies. I'm like, oh, whatever, ah, it's not how it works. So, after the most amazing scene. We yes. go, so that's when, uh, <laughs> this is when Dewey lies to the uh, Battle of the Bands director and says that they've all got um, a, is it a disease. Um, yeah, stick, a disease. Stick it to yeah. the maniotis or something like that. Stick it to, stick it to the maniosis. But it. I think he says stick it to the mon. I think he says stick it to oh, the maniosis, <laughs> which makes it somehow funnier. Um, and all funny. the kids are just at the van, kind of like. Um, no, Freddy so- on the floor. <laughs> cracks me up just lying so good um and then so they, they guilt him into going okay yeah okay the band can play um yeah, but it, was summer, it, it was summer's idea i was summer's say, someone yeah because i was like i never picked up on that i'm like she's evil little girls like <laughs> so evil um yeah <laughs> so summer um thought of the idea to get them in so she's like she's like oh, we're not we're not giving up they've come so far uh, then that's when Dewey realizes he's going to have to get a field trip signed off to get the band to the Battle of the Bands performance. So he starts to um, 
I'm not going to say romance, but starts to um, charm Miss Mullins, John Cusack. And um, he hears from one of the other teachers that she um, got drunk once and uh, did a Stevie Nicks impression, which was she was pretty good. So he's like, right, cool. I can get in here. There's like a kinship with the rock music. So he invites her for a coffee, ends up being a bar. And like really random, but the, the waiter, the bartender gives him the beer. Like he has one line of dialogue and I've not forgotten him since. He's like, are you sure you don't have coffee? I'm sure. And he just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that Simpsons bit, you know, when um, Marge is trying to order a coffee in a bar in Australia and she's like, can I have a coffee? And he's like, beer. She's like, coffee, beer. Beer. B-E-C-O. Like, it's very much those vibes. Like, That's a really good point. I wonder if that's a reference. Um. So, yeah. So, Dewey's trying to butter Miss Mullins up to agree for the field trip and he you know, gives her a beer. He puts on Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks on the jukebox, and she is in. She is feeling herself, and we get to, we start to understand that, like, you know, she is a she is wound up so tight, but underneath all that, there is this like fun, fun woman, and uh, she kind of agrees to to the this educational concert as Dewey spins it and then um he he drives her back to her car and then she kind of unravels and explains like she never used to always be like this like you know um it's these these uh, parents you know they want perfection they spend fifteen thousand dollars a year with me um she's under a lot of pressure and <laughs> from my memory Dewey doesn't really say much in response he just lets her rant yeah, I think he just is like, mm, yeah, like, because that's what she, and she says about how, you, like, none of the teachers have ever, though, actually, I think when he says, like, when she says, like, none of the teachers have ever asked me to do anything in six years, and he goes, no, and then he kind of goes, is it maybe because you're a bit intimidating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, yeah, she, I mean, she feels like she would rip your head off, right? Yeah, 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 when she makes that girl cry at the start, when she's oh, like, my- do you want to, hu- do you want to hug in the crocus? <laughs> like, I'll be I'm good, so I swear. Sore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so good. I, just to pick up on like this because this kind of seems relevant. I don't know the musical super well, but I know for I know for sure that Dewey and Principal Mullins are like love interests in the musical, which I yes. kind of hate. Yes, I was going to bring this up. So I saw it in the trivia for this film that originally they they were meant to end up as ro- romance partners, and I was I wanted to raise you because I didn't know whether. I don't know whether I love or hate it. There's a part of me that goes, I love it from a sense of like not every male and female character has to fall in love. Like exactly, we, yeah. Yeah. We can just be friends. It's all good. But on the other hand, have you seen Shallow Hal? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Or so like- I, I haven't. I haven't yet. It is on the list. Someone has already like wanted to do this to do Shallow Hal on this podcast. So I'll be watching it for the first time for this podcast. But does does he actually kiss Gwyneth Paltrow in that film? I think at like the very end. At the possibly. very end. Um at the yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. I mean it's I've literally tried to like Block it. Ac- acid burn it out of my brain. Um but like <laughs> <laughs> I think he kisses her and maybe he kisses her when she's like thin mode because it's like I mean you'll see, like the really the weird thing they do with the fats, the really bad fat suit. Um mm. I'm always like with fat suits, I'm like 
don't do them. But even if you're going to do them, just make it look not look like absolute dog shit. I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he might kiss her at the end, uh, as okay. far as I know. So, so okay, maybe once then we'll say if listeners are going like, no, they kiss multiple times. Yeah, I'm very we'll... sorry, shallow half. Yeah. yeah, please. please. <laughs> they're coming out (laughs) the shallow hal heads like (laughs) love that the shallow shallow heads yeah exactly and yeah but so yeah my point was going to be because i've always found it very annoying how in the holiday jack black and kate winslet don't kiss and i'm like hmm Oh, they don't. Yeah, you're so no, right. No, they don't. They don't. And it's always pissed me off because it was a whole big thing. And I know Kate Winslet spoke about how much people love the holiday to her. And she was saying like how she really wanted Jack Black to be the romantic lead because she really liked his work. And I think his, her kids might have liked him and all this kind of stuff. But they don't kiss, even though they are meant to be <laughs> meant to be romantic with each other. And so then I'm like, hold on, have ever seen jack black kiss a woman in a film and i have to say i haven't seen all of his films so i can't comment on whether that's true or not but i do find it interesting how in school of rock they make it clear that they they don't have a romance the holiday he doesn't get to kiss in jumanji he's not like a romantic person he doesn't have he doesn't have that i mean i guess he's kind of flirting with um nick jonas's character but that's beside the point um (laughs) but yeah like i think like i'm just like does he kiss Lizzo in the... I only watched the... I don't watch The Mandalorian. No, no, no. I'm aware that they... I watched a little bit because I knew they were in it and they're, they're together. They're a couple. Yeah. But like, it's not like lusty. Like he's never been a character who like, if he's kissing someone, it's like gentle or like yeah. just a little peck. There's like never any kind of... I don't know. For for someone so kind of, for lack of a better word, like carnal or like, I don't know. Like, mm. like so like, you know, he's never really had that kind of role, which is like a shame. Yes, well, this is it, right? It's a shame. Why hasn't? Why haven't we seen Jack Black in a role where he literally is like, he's a catch, you know? Like even in the holiday, it's played for a bit of a like a oh they're together, like, and I'm like no, it's like he's I'd love to be with Jack Black, like he is he is fit, like he and there's something and so he, he like, is fit, yeah, like yeah, literally he, he literally is fit, and like in this, you know, going back to that scene, he says he's sexy and chubby. I'm like yes, he fucking is. Give him someone to kiss, like you know, I want to <laughs> see. Am I a pair? If I don't know, <laughs> I just want to see it. I think it's interesting that he has no because it's not even like oh I don't want to get with Mullins and like no. but he has no kind of attraction. There's no um. There's no, he has no interactions with women in this film that are in any way flirtation. Because he doesn't like Sarah. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're totally, I was literally about to say, because the only other character we get is Sarah Silverman's character, who. True. Yeah, but I also don't disagree with her. Like, (laughs) I I understand where she was coming from. Like, he doesn't pay the rent. He is a slob in this house. Like, he is like undermining her at every turn. Like, I don't blame Sarah Silverman here. But from the from the context of the film, she's meant to be like our villain, you know. We, yeah. In a film that doesn't really have a villain, yeah, she you're is right. the villain. So yeah, so there isn't this romance. So in in the musical, they get together, um, and I a quick um like kind of cast list of the characters, um, of sorry of the actors who have played Dewey on stage, and they have all been like people of size so they've carried that forward they realize mm-hmm. that that's an important part of this character which is positive 
so they obviously get together there. I don't, I'm glad it, I think overall, I am glad it doesn't happen in the film. I like how they're just friends. I like how, because even our platonic friendships change us, you know? Yeah. Hollywood love to pretend like it's all about true love and then and Shrek falls into this and then and, and you know they'll change you and they'll love you for who you are I was like no our, our platonic friends can do the exact same like they can mm-hmm. make us better people they can bring us out of our shells um so yeah so I do appreciate that they go down that route with these two um so what was I saying so yeah so the uh kind of prepping for for the final show and then Dewey get well actually Ned gets a check in the in the post and <laughs> and it says for Horace Horace Green School well, Horace Prep School I think it's called isn't it um and he's like I've never worked there and he's going to ring and Dewey's like no don't hangs up the phone <laughs> it's like I told her I told her somebody has to make it out to cash <laughs> that reminds me of my other part we haven't talked about where he pretends to be Ned on the phone earlier and he, he pretends to fumble the phone he goes hello Ned Schneebly like and then, and then doesn't carry that voice through so like then like that off that ends for you I love it um yeah I love it so yeah. good so he like yeah that's a really good that's a integral part of the story because I <laughs> it's because I I say that now like yeah this is this extremely <laughs> yeah so good no it's good so yeah he and he comes clean to Ned about what he's been doing but he's like so excited like but the kids are so talented and he kind of goes like like you like you mentioned earlier that really like rushed kind of explanation <laughs> of all the kids and how cool so they funny. are. And then Sarah Silverman walks in and she instantly feels the vibe. The, the vibe of the room is off. And she's like, what is going on? And he leaves and she's like, don't tell, don't tell her. And obviously, like, Ned instantly must tell, must have told Sarah Silverman, like, instantly. Um, he goes to parents' evening and um, he's got to give the presentation where he's like, oh, we're doing, we're doing English, we're doing math, we're doing all the subjects that you'd expect your kids to be doing. <laughs> that's like me when I'm not prepared for a job interview and I'm like yeah I'm doing this I'm doing that like it's so it's so funny the kids are just I've never been to like a a parent teacher I wonder if it's like a private school thing where like they all just sit and like look at you it's not like a one-on-one no I've never known a parent teacher like this maybe this is an American thing but definitely you know usually back in the schools I've been to you know, the teachers are dotted around like yeah. either like the the dinner hall or or, or they're in their classrooms and you've got like a schedule of going to see which one at different times um yeah so I don't know what this pres- what, what I want to know what the other teachers presentations were you know what I mean yeah, they, did they like, have a powerpoint yeah I was gonna say did they have a powerpoint did they have like music I don't know like they have like six yeah. slide. They have a six slideshow with like cool transitions. Like I don't know. Like and also like, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know about you, but my parents couldn't give a fuck about what I was learning. It was more like, am I doing well or not? Yeah, or like, yeah, is she is she all is she all right? <laughs> but yeah, like, I did. I my English teacher like, called me overly emotional. But I'm like, you know what? You're right. You You're, not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. I You're am. not wrong. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. An astute observation. Astute observation. <laughs> if not painful when I'm like 15 and going through it, like I'm like, what you mean, overly emotional? And also, um, it's like, what, what 15 year old isn't overly emotional? Literally, I'm like, you know, she needs to take a, she needs to take a chill pill. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's so funny. And <laughs> him trying, like, what does he think he's actually gonna get away with it? Like at oh, this point. Uh... I do, uh, yeah, it's a really good point. I don't know what he thinks. Like, there's no way he left that apartment thinking Ned's on his side. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Like he's a it. poor Ned. Like Ned just got it from all corners because like, he's got like oh. both of these people who are incredibly like alpha. <laughs> <laughs> such a good point they are like it's so funny because sarah's doing that thing where she's like you're being you're being manipulated you're being walked all over while doing the exact same yeah. thing um yeah so so yeah he's giving this like awful presentation and then the kids and then he sees the police officer in the hallway and he gets a bit frazzled and like ned and sarah silverman are there and he's he's like oh fuck i'm, I'm rumbled and then he like, starts like tripping over his words and then the kids are like oh just tell him about the project and and then the, the parents are like what project sweetie and like like um, we're not going to be starting until next quarter, but <laughs> he wanted us to get a, like a head start in the competition, and then you know, try to explain, and then uh, everything's all happening at once, and Ned's like Ned, Doobie's like um, <laughs> like uh, you know, try to give compliments to all the kids, like Summer's going to be the first female president, and I'll vote for her tomorrow, like you know, she, she's amazing, um, and then Miss Mullins comes in and is like, what's going on? And apparently the police officer said this is not. Ned Schneebly, like this is Ned Schneebly looking at Mike White, and then Dewey explains that, like, no, like I'm not Ned Schneebly, I'm Dewey. Um, I, I've got to know your kids really well over the past three weeks, um, and I, they've really touched me, and I think I've touched them. <laughs> and <laughs> the pause before, yes. and they're like, oh the my god, like Summer's mom, performer of the film. Oh my god! Like, like it's so just holding, good. they're just clutching their children. Yeah, and it's like, and then, because even the kids realize this sounds wrong. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh no! And then, and then, like that, like his face completely changes because he re- he hears it, and he's like, oh fuck! And then somehow he manages to run out of the classroom with two guitars in his hands, even though there was however many parents, a fucking police officer was there. Like I don't know how he escapes. And he gets back to the flat, and uh, Ned and Sarah. I don't. What's Sarah Silverman's character called? I was thinking this. I have no idea. Did no idea. Ever... Poor Sarah Silverman. Did um, they ever say? They must what... say what her. They must. I'm just. I'm. I'm on IMDb right now. Oh, it's Patty. It's Patty Demarco. Oh, of course. Of course. Sorry. <laughs> Do they even Sorry. say? I don't think they say Patty. No. Patty's quite. Patty's quite like a. Distinctive Patty. name, Patty DeMarco. And Patty Ned Schneebly is a great character. Now. Ned Schneebly is an amazing. You know exactly who that guy is. I know him. I've met him many times. Oh, yeah. Ned Schneebly. Yeah, Ned. exactly. Ned. Yes, so we, they're, uh, Ned and Patty, as we now know, are like upset <laughs> with him. And he just wants to sleep. And so the next day, the kids all come into the classroom and they're all kind of like reminiscing. You know, ups- they they realize oh it wasn't real, but there was something about it was really there was some kind of competition. We should still do the competition, and there's a really cool moment, and I can't remember how it actually comes about now. But Lawrence stands up to Freddie, mm. um, and <laughs> Freddie does that. You want to go? <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Lawrence, you stand up for yourself. Oh, and then Tamika backs Lawrence up, and I was like, oh, the the two quiet kids, you know, who have had probably arguably the bigger journeys or arcs yeah Yeah. self-confidence arcs absolutely are the ones who are like defending each other i'm like yeah absolutely go so they decide like okay we're gonna we're still gonna go and uh summer lies again the most brazen liar lies to the um the bus driver that they're gonna go pick up um mr schneebly from his house (laughs) what bus driver just goes yeah that's completely normal Uh, to be fair i can't talking back going back to school we had a media teacher who um 
would just take us on like trips that were totally not like he was very much like doof and energy where like he'd be like oh we're gonna go do some location scouting and then he'd get like the, this random guy who'd like drive the minivan and we'd all pile in and like this wasn't allowed like and so <laughs> like they just be this man going down like we went to like the city center one time my mom's like why are you in town <laughs> with mr mr uh i'm not gonna say his name i don't want to dox him it doesn't work anymore but like let's call him mr p but like mr p is like he was uh yeah so I, I, yeah i don't know how they like and, and they're like they, he doesn't be like oh yeah it's totally normal for uh for these kids to be like we're picking him up from his house yeah but totally normal totally totally normal so um and then um Freddie and Lawrence are the ones who wake him up to like get him in like you know, let's go and he he sees the the school bus outside and uh, what did he say he's like that's so like rock and roll or that's yeah, so metal so punk, or something yeah so, so punk, punk. Or, yeah yeah maybe I don't know it's something like that something along those lines and um they leave and as they're leaving they run into Ned and Sarah Silverman in the hall where where why are they not at work this whole and also why is the door open. <laughs> Why is the door open? Why are they not at work? This she's, is got like... to, she's got to go assist the mayor. The mayor? Yes, the mayor needs his assisting done. <laughs> like, this whole film is about the fact that they work and, and Dewey doesn't, and yet they're not working in this very integral moment. Um. So and Sarah Silverman goes to, like, you know, call the cops or call the school or something. And Ned's like, I'm going to go. And she's like, "What do you mean you're gonna go?" He's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like see this battle of the bands, like, like you know, it sounds like a lot of fun." And she's like, "Oh, typical Ned, blah blah." And he rolls his eyes and he shuts the door in her face. Um, so that's the last we see of of Patty Demarco. I mean, <laughs> we get to we what well, um Dewey gets on the bus and um he wants to apologize to the kids. You know, he he admits he's used them, he's manipulated them for his own gain, and then. Is it summer cuts him off and is like, we gotta go. Like enough apologizing, we gotta go. And I think so, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So like they are totally like forgive and forget, like let's just move on. It's like I guess like from a from a mathematical equation, the amount of good he has done outweighs the bad in their eyes. Like his influence and his his encouragement is a completely worth being lied to for the past three weeks. Um, so they get they get to the theater where the show is at. They run and of course, like they're late. They're on next. They got to get ready. Of course, of course they are. Of yeah, course. exactly. <laughs> and um, they decide they're going to sing Zach's song, "Teacher's Pet," and they all get into their outfits and. Billy, who we haven't just spoken about Billy. I was, gonna, I was literally gonna say that Billy is iconic. I was gonna say Billy is like, like you know, <laughs> a lot of our drag queens today take a lot of influence from Billy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're tacky and I hate you. It's just like, uh, you're tacky great. and I hate you. Uh, Liza Minnelli. Like, I, was like, <laughs> that well. I know. I know. It's like this kid doesn't know who Liza Minnelli. Like, is. I just love the way he takes it too far with it. He's the one who pushes it too far with the um, with the insults to do earlier yes he's like yes. right you yes. attention yeah see me after see class, me after class. <laughs> yeah but he's great i love billy billy's Again, great totally unapologetic about being like yeah flamboyant and like and- Again, yeah. nobody seems to bully him either. Like he's just no. Like... That's a really good point. And again, like we just don't see much of their dynamic. But like he's obviously not been um, bullied to the point where like he isn't hiding himself. You know, like he's not trying to act more quote unquote masculine. Um, where he's he's you know he is he's a camp character, and he's he is also the um, fashion designer of the band. <laughs> And yeah, the band stylist. The can, band I be the, stylist. can I be the band stylist? Instead? That's it. Of course, you can, fancy pants. <laughs> yeah, fancy pants. 
um so yeah he he's um designed all the costumes and because it's, the band is called school of rock um he's he hands dewey a uniform and they go on stage and they perform teacher's pet what a banger of a song it's so I've, good i've been singing it since i saw this film on sunday it's so good just like ooh la 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 oh. and it's all the so good. The so Ulalalas, so good. And we get to see all their different costumes. So we see Lawrence with this most amazing hair. The hair and is the so cape. good. Katie looks so cool with um, the bassist. Um, Tamika, she, again, like just this like trouser look. and Her hair looks amazing. Her hair looks amazing. Zach's got this top hat on. It's just really fun and cool and I remember watching it as a child be like oh because obviously you hate your uniform when you're a kid and you're like oh just this idea that you could have all this creative freedom with it is so cool and they kind and of so allude- playful it's so playful and they kind of allude to it earlier because like um Freddie has rolled his sleeves up at one point and Miss Mullins yeah. like no like that's not that's not cold you know that's not school uniform and so, like, I like how they bring it kind of full circle. They they have kind of sabotaged their school uniform for self expression, which is something that they weren't able to do at the beginning of the film because they didn't know themselves. They didn't know how to express themselves, and here they are, completely stepping into like their power, their talent, their confidence. And so, you know, yes, it was interesting. Again, this is this is part of Dewey's growth arc, isn't it? Like, mm. yes, he is the lead, but he gives them all a moment to shine. Yeah. Whereas with the the other band that he was in, he he wanted all the glory for himself because, like, he didn't know any better. He didn't know he didn't want to share a stage with those guys. But here he feels equal to these kids, mm-hmm. and he's happy to share the stage. And yeah, so they all have these moments. Like Larry has a solo. Zach gets a solo. Tamika has his most amazing singing solo. So good. It's so good. Um and the parents have got got to the stage, and they, there's like really nice moments between the parents complimenting each other's children. Uh, they get you know the crowd loves this band, and they go off. And Miss Mullins has made her way backstage, and the, so. the woman's like, um, like if you haven't got a band or if, uh, or like a wristband or a ticket, you can't come backstage. You're like, well, I'm principal of the school, and she's like, right on, I was like right on. Right on, right on. <laughs> so funny, and I just love that. She's like, I'm so angry, but uh, and like, and even that guy, the guy she flirts with backstage, like fighter, fighter. He's Spider. part of because he's part of Jack Black's original band. Is yes. he not the one who replaces Jack Black? Exactly that. So Spider replaces <laughs> Jack Black, and um, he's got this most amazing glam rock pleather oh, thing so on. Good. It's so good. It's so camp. I loved it. And yeah, he's like body rolling and he's like slithering his way over to Miss Mullins and obviously like you know she mentions how she's like I'm a principal of a prep school and he's like turned on he's like yes yes mummy what's that <laughs> like clearly really into the, 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 the disciplinarian of it all so the results come and um uh the other band, Jack no, va- no vacancies. Band, I think, no cause... vacancy. Well remembered. No vacancy. Um, have won, and they get the twenty thousand dollars. And Jack Black or Dewey is, you know, first of all, really like, you know, he has a bit of a tantrum. You know, he's disappointed because he he thinks they're better, but so the crowd also thinks that they're better. And I'm like, yeah. How does it? How does School of Rock not win? 
<laughs> like, I'm yeah. not old. I wonder if it's like a bribe thing. I don't know. Or commercial. <gasps> Ooh, I've not yeah. been bringing in a little like side plot. Conspiracy like, theory. Maybe it was bribe. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's interesting because I think he goes back into that initial mode, like that kind of yes. like, oh, like, and even like, I was going to mention as well that uh, the fact that they do Teacher's Pet and not The Legend of the Rent, <laughs> which is doing his own song. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because um, that was, and then he goes, actually, that's Zach's song. Zach's song's actually better and actually owning up to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going, well, obviously, my song's the best. But uh, yeah, at the end, I think it's really lovely that they don't win. I think that actually, like, that's nice because it's like sometimes you don't win the like big prize but the prize is the friends you make along the way yes absolutely it's a pleasure to be nominated you know yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> no but you're totally right and i think like that tracks for like the whole reason for this film or what one, one of the reasons anyway which is this idea that like not everything you pursue has to end up in this like money career has to pay your bills sort of thing so like the fact that these kids all have these hobbies you know doesn't mean that they also like they can't have both and and we kind of see that where you see some of the parents disciplining the children for listening to the music that Dewey recommends them and we like you know you can't listen to this music no no guitar blah 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 because it's like seen as a punishment whereas like through Dewey like they see like they can coexist you know you can have this amazing hobby that's really expressive and creative while also you know still having school and and doing all that so I think the fact that it doesn't win and they don't win that like lump sum feeds into that rhetoric but the but the crowd wants School of Rock back on, mm-hmm. so they do an encore, and the way Dewey's face lights up when he realizes it's an encore. And I, I I imagine that Dewey's never had an encore before. No, 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 they're like this, the opposite, and like it, it kind of ends up like it, at the end of School of at the end of Teacher's Pet, he it echoes the start again with a stage dive because it's the very start. Of, it's the yeah. very start. He he does a stage dive, and everyone actively moves out of the way. Yeah. Whereas this time he jumps in, and everyone's like so end it and like yeah yeah like, i love that that's it it's a full circle moment like he gets he gets to surf the crowd and um so yes yeah, so they play and then it goes into the credits and we find that um they have created the school of rock as an after school program out of the flat that um ned and dewey have and so we we follow summer in and she's on the phone about like if you if you really want us you just better stop lowballing us <laughs> can imagine she's talking to some like really professional adult like band manager or music person and she's like 10 years old telling them what's what and then we see the band practicing but we also see that ned is teaching like young so kids yeah young kids guitar and we get this kind of like final song where again everyone gets their moment to shine and as the credits roll, and they they acknowledge that it's a film, where they go like, the film is nearly over. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's clearly just having fun. Like, I really love that. It doesn't end. Like, but the thing I love about this film is like, it doesn't have like a the end. It just no. is like, no, and it carries on. And like, I, I don't know, like, it's like, it's something really like nice about that. And yeah, um, that's a really good point. Yeah, there's no like, and they were all lived happily ever after. It's like you know it's you know life's gonna go on it might be up and down for everyone in here but like in this moment like they're they're having fun they're having fun and like they're they have the space to have the fun you know and it's because of dewey dewey has created this space for these kids to express themselves to like you know nurture their talent and have fun like that's the most important thing right it's like to have fun and like that's that's the end of the film 
Caitlin, have we have we covered everything you wanted to cover? <laughs> I'm just on my little like I've got a tiny left. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's I just it's a it's a very interesting film. It's been really interesting to look at it in this way and mm-hmm. um, pick apart kind of bits and interrogate it and yeah and and just made me love Jack Black more to be honest yes. I, I already loved him a lot but I'm like yeah he really is just like just so the most charismatic like film star of the past like 20-30 years like he's so good he's an absolute diamond and I'm really glad that this film exists I think like I can't imagine anyone else in this role that duality between like being like a singer or like a rock singer and also like a really charismatic comedy actor like a like you know it's you were saying at the very beginning that Mike White wrote this with Jack Black in mind and you, you I can't imagine him not being in it like it's yeah. perfect and I know like the the kids and well the cast is all still pretty well connected there was like a a 10-year anniversary in 2013 where all the kids came along and Jack Black was there I think Mike White went like so there's still like a legacy that continues within the cast which means that they obviously had fun you know yeah <laughs> which is really which is really nice and I think like that fun and that um relationship they obviously had um kind of comes on screen and you know you want to you want to be part of that group you want to have like that going back to teacher you want to have that teacher and that that's really positive where like unfortunately you know teachers are so influential to who we become as adults Mm. you know apart from our parents they're probably our next like most time we spend with adults right or teachers or, or certain teachers and yeah Dewey is a very as much as he's not a teacher (laughs) he's a very influential teacher to these kids and I just think yeah it's just it's a really good story it's feel good really feel good and it's it's funny I like to think I'm carrying on the Dewey Finn legacy because whenever I facilitate with especially with young people they tell me that like um we love like we love it when you teach us because it just feels like we're on lunch all the time (laughs) so teenager said that to me once and I was like that is the goal like oh, it just what a like play and like yeah exactly and so I'm like bring in the doof and bring in the doof and oh my god you're carrying that torch well mm-hmm. done you what a compliment ah oh, amazing so at the end of Fats and Film we rate our films based on ourselves depending on how well we believe that they represent fat and other body types so caitlin out of five caitlins how much would you rate school of rock can i do halves yes of course you can. Do four and a half caitlins because yeah. it's not quite perfect but it's 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 very good yeah it's it is very good i think that's a really fair rating i'm gonna give it i'm gonna be maybe a little bit lower i think i'm gonna give it four hannah's I think there is um, some uh, negative stereotype with like the fat slob idea of of him mm-hmm. at the beginning, but ultimately, like it does write itself, and it's like <clears throat> Dewey's character doesn't change because he loses weight. If that makes sense, yeah, his char- it's not physical. It's not like it's, and it's not like you know he he stopped doing bad habits. His character development comes from how he treats people. And obviously how you treat people doesn't matter, like, you know, on your body size or what you eat or, you know, any or like how much exercise you do. It doesn't matter if any of that. It's just it's all internal stuff. So I think that's actually really positive. 
which is why I'll give it four instead of like three or three and a half. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so good to talk about School of Rock in massive detail. I think we went in. I don't <laughs> think there's, in. there's not a stone that hasn't been uncovered during this podcast. Like this truly might be longer than the film itself. <laughs> I think I think it will be. And I can only apologize. But you know, um it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank- oh, thank you so much. Um so where can the lovely listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Mostly on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Kate M Currens that's C A I T M k-e-a-r-n-s um and you can find links to like my work so i'm a writer i like to write stuff that kind of is very um heavy pardon the pun on fat rap and mm-hmm. um also queer rap and disabled rap as a kind of fat queer disabled weirdo from belfast so <laughs> um yeah what tagline yeah. i said that and i actually said that in an interview yesterday <laughs> did you that's great yeah. that, and i was like line. take it you know that's that's it that's all you need to know but yeah so you can find links to my work there and uh my general day-to-day nonsense awesome thank you caitlin and the listeners can find the podcast at fats on film on instagram and twitter and myself at queen b says on twitter instagram and tiktok well thank you so much for listening everyone and i'll see you at the next one and stay fat (laughs) 